It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hi, everyone. It's Gary Neville here. We've got some unbelievably exciting news on the overlap. After our live show in Manchester last year, we decided to take the overlap on tour. On stage with me will be Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher, Josh Denzel and Kelly Cates. Tickets are available now. Make sure you come down and watch us, but remember, only if you like. Let's get it on. Welcome to an Overlap Fan Debate Extra. We've got a special episode post the weekend's games and we've got Arsenal and Liverpool who took part in an incredible game on Sunday. Manchester United and Manchester City. And we've got two esteemed journalists from The Athletic, David and Laurie. And we're going to start with you, Pippa. And I think we've given Arsenal a pretty rough ride over this last couple of years on this show. Oh, so you've got the floor. Go on, go and make your speech. Your opening speech is oh, going to be a big speed, one. Yeah, speeches, but tell I'm us just... where you're at. I'm just happy that we don't have to do the talking until done on the pitch because you've literally grilled us, especially you, in the did last that? year. The first ever fan debate show we did, you ripped into Arteta, Edu, the whole system and how, how Arsenal have been structured from the ground to the top floor. And uh, you said we're not performing well, not buying enough players and it's just not going to work for the next God knows how many years and that we're miles apart from Manchester United. I'll have to look back I at remember that, that show. Time. Thank you. <laughs> Do you remember yeah, that remember, yeah. right at the time though? Because two back-to-back... Yeah, it, certain it, points that are, are correct, hey, of course. Sorry, it could still be right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it could still be right. Certain <laughs> points that are correct, of course, but to say you're miles apart from other clubs when this league is forever changing, of course Man City are always at the top at the moment, but you can't compare us to other teams that are not top on top form. Do you know what I mean? I've always had a respect for Arsenal as a football club. There's no doubt. I mean, I think they're one of the great traditional clubs in this country. However, the last few years have been a struggle. I remember at the end of last season, me and Cara saying that we thought that it could be terminal for Mikel where, Arteta. Where is Jamie, by the way? I didn't want to show up. Um, he, he's, <laughs> he's got uh, Champions League commitments. Oh, okay. Yeah, he's got Champions League commitments. Oh, we didn't invite him. I thought it was the yeah, result. Yeah, it's, it's a bonus, to be fair. He seems to have more fun when he's not with you. I think he's just... That Who he does? Yeah, Who's that with? With all his Champions League mates. Which we were keen last night. Oh, with Thierry and Micah. Yeah, but... It's not serious punditry, that is it? Oh, it's just like, we love it. We love it's just, it. It's a bit jokey, it's like, like YouTube stuff where yeah, we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not on television, that sort of stuff. Anyway, Pippa, come on. What what has been the big change? Is it Jesus? Is it Zinchenko? I think it has been some of these key signers, of course. Jesus has just been a menace. He hasn't obviously scored every single game. He's got goals on his tally already, but the way he drives at players, when he dribbles on the strike, because you score every single game. <laughs> yeah, it is a bit. Honestly, he's been a delight to watch. Saliba, we've been waiting for him for a couple of seasons to see what he's about. I'm glad that they put him out on loan. He's come back in and he's pretty much completed every test. And then you've got Odegaard who's coming alive and putting him through amazing assists. Mm. Saka's putting away penalties now for the our, our penalty taker. And we've just got so many... Um, I know the squad's not strong enough, as many people say. Everyone keeps saying it. One injury and it all goes tits up. But we've got... <laughs> sorry. I, I like that. It's a northern saying. It can be, it, <laughs> but we've got players now that can put in a shift. Like, Vieira looks good. 
that's got that goal against Brentford. Brentford, mm. if he comes on in the midfield, if we're if we're stripped slightly, there's players that can come in and do a job. Marquinhos still looks raw, but he can do a job. Zinchenko now, what a signing mm. to, to play with Tierney as well. What about the I mean, I was in the stadium for the first time uh, on Sunday. I watched Arsenal at, away at Old Trafford and at Brentford, and obviously and played well at Old Trafford, even though they lost and they were brilliant at Brentford. Mm. But the atmosphere felt a little bit different on Sunday. After we, it was unbelievable. Yeah, it's one. It's it, this whole season's been one of the best atmospheres ever. Like I've been going to games for so many years, but this season has been so different. Even the way the clubs are having all the the have you seen all the flags and all, everything that's mm. going on. We've got the anthem now before the games. What Even, is this anthem, by the way? North London forever, whatever the weather. These streets are our own. Don't shake your head. <laughs> Because right now the streets are our when own. When did this anthem get designed? Is it um, just before the end of last season. Okay. Yeah, there's a great artist that come up with this. It's his song. Dunford. Yeah, Louis Dunford, yeah. yeah. It's his song. And uh, I think Arsenal fans just caught a hold of it on Twitter. Mikel saw it and said, yeah, do you know what? This You're having it. that? Yeah, and everyone sings it before the game. Finding something original. <laughs> Why are you thinking these? <laughs> Go on, David. Let's let's I mean, to in tip the chat here. The opening point you made... Gary's previous criticism and you saying it was maybe a bit unfair. I think both points are probably true. Arsenal were quite a long way away at that point in time and there were a lot of problems because there had been so many changes behind the scenes on and off the pitch uh, and they were not fulfilling the vision of Arteta and Edu at that point in time. They were quite a distance behind. But firstly, it shows us that we shouldn't form these judgments so instantly and yeah. we should give these projects and these managers and people and players and executives time to develop because Arsenal have turned it around and quite quickly and they're now on a good path. And, and that owes a lot to a sort of long-term vision that really comes presumably from the owners and the executives that they give power to in terms of... Um, at the top level, Tim Lewis is there on behalf of the ownership. Um, Vinay Venkatesham is the chief executive. Um, they've got uh, Richard Garlick alongside Edu supporting him. They've actually slimmed down. They expanded in the previous regime and they've, they've made it a bit more streamlined now. And they've given them time and faith and patience. And they backed Mikel Arteta even when there was huge speculation over his future. But everybody in that hierarchy... Yep was squarely behind him and not for wavering. And also at ownership level, when there was the backlash over the European Super League, which we talked about on here last time, when there was the challenge to the Kroenke's ownership from Daniel Ek, um, supported by the likes of Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp and Patrick Vieira, they wanted change at ownership level. That interest from Daniel Ek almost seems to have been the catalyst yeah. for the Arsenal owners, maybe a bit of a kick up the backside, a wake-up call, to really connect with the club, with the project, with the fan base, to put their hand in their pocket even more so because they took full ownership, I think, in the summer of 2018. Um, and the spending has been bigger since then. But this challenge to their authority, which was public, it was credible, the fans were behind it, seems to have changed the narrative. And now things really do seem to be moving in the right direction. And almost like the final piece in the jigsaw to get it lifted off, I'm not saying to get it finished, was the fans being behind them. And again, time and patience in a new stadium that they moved into in 2006, the 
executives there have learned and understood what makes the fans tick around. But are the fans behind flags. them or are they behind this new team and this new style of play? I mean, they are very different things. Are the fans still, are they behind the owners? I know they're quiet on the owners at the moment. Yeah, we don't really talk, I feel like fans only talk about the owners team, when things are going yeah. wrong. It's always the team. It's, it's not, no one's ever talking about the owners right now. Well, they're behind Arteta and they're behind the team. So the team's the main thing, the results. And that, that's a great tribute to the recruitment, which by and large in recent years has been really strong. Yeah. They've had to make some tough decisions about players they've got rid of, yeah. paying off players, which they were heavily criticised for. But Arteta now has a nucleus of young players mainly, um, with a sprinkling of older players who are all in. Mm. There's yeah. nobody who's half in, half out. There are no bad eggs in that camp from what we can see. And whether or not it continues to go in this direction, mm. they've given themselves a really good chance. Yeah. What, what is possible? And Because uh, I, I said after the game on Sunday, and it's not being... I want, actually, Arsenal to do well. I want Mikel Arteta to do well. I really do. Mm -hmm. uh, because I think that he's a young manager. I think up against... The, the managers he's up against, Conte, Pep, yeah, Klopp. Um, Klopp, Tuchel before, obviously, he got sacked. The animals, those yeah. guys, to, to be up against. You know, you're talking about machines. And for a young manager to break into that, even though there's been a lot of investment, mm -hmm. £360 million, I think, Mikel Arteta mm -hmm. spent, to break into that sort of... That group of managers is just really difficult <laughs> yes. to do. That's why it didn't surprise me at the end of last season that Conte sort of did what he did because of his experience. Are you confident that, the, one, you're definitely going to get top four, mm. that you potentially could challenge City for the league and be nearest to City, or do you still think, and that's why I still think that it's still to be evidence yet, that post-World Cup, obviously yeah, things could happen, could change, yeah. season could change, momentum could change. Do you still feel there's a fear that you could go on a run, or do you think this is the real deal this time and you've got a team that can challenge the title and it, certainly get into top four? It's so hard to answer because in the form that we're in now, everyone's buzzing. Everyone wants to say, yeah, we're definitely getting top four. Oh, we could challenge with City. Everyone mm. wants to play City now while we're on form because that game has been postponed now. But it's like, we cannot, or for me personally, I cannot call it because that World Cup, that breaking play, God knows what's going to happen after that. The form could dip. We don't know if everyone's still going to be in you know, great conditions to play. But, um, Isn't of it great course, not to care, though? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I just want to enjoy the game. I've been saying this about, about Arsenal, is that I, I don't like Arsenal in particularly. Why not? Would, Why is he sat here? Well, <laughs> because I was alive in it. You know what I mean? So, oh, I, yeah, fair I, I am. But, you know, it, I, I empathise when fans are enjoying themselves watching just football. Enjoy yeah. the game. And game. as much as we obviously took the mick out of Everton at the back end of last season, really, you know, seeing them greeting coaches and, and getting, yeah. getting behind the football club, we've had that for years and we've been a bit ridiculed for it at times. Yeah. But most people would look at it and go, God, wow, there's this novel concept of going enjoying the football. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Going up to Newcastle, seeing the team, you know, the fans are behind the team. Mm. Going to Arsenal on Sunday, I, I, I remember being really harsh on Arsenal fans when you remember the protest against Wenger. Yeah, I mean, it was toxic around that time. It was. it was awful. On Sunday, just felt a million miles away from that. And I have to say, you know, Arsenal's ground has never been really that sort yeah. of a hotbed of an atmosphere. But even Liverpool must have felt that on Sunday because the noise was absolutely yeah, they were, off the scale. I, I mean, that's the first time I've seen a, a Liverpool away, away fans come to the Emirates and be that quiet. I agree. And that's not just a dig at them. They were silent for the majority of the game. Yeah, I agree. Um, because we just outsung them. I mean, one of the things that's, I think, helped Arteta is he's always seemed to have the time and the patience of the board. And from watching the documentary, I know they only kind of let you see what they want you to see. Mm. But it seemed like a collaborative effort. It didn't seem like Arteta was over here and the border over here. So whenever a decision was going, being made or a bad result or something happened, it seemed like they'd all come together. And I think that must be really helpful for a manager to know that People I've got these it. guys, these guys have got my back. If yeah. I have a few mm. bad results, if I need to get rid of the captain who's on ridiculous wages, they're going to back me and do it. I think a lot of people can learn from that in terms of mm. give a manager some time. You don't, you, eighth, eighth, fifth, like you, you 
I'm, that's not. I'm not trying to take no, a dig, but you don't get that time normally, yeah. especially at a club like Arsenal. I think it's been even what happened last season when everyone was, you know, confident that Arsenal could have got top four. I think a part of the fan base expected Arteta to get sacked because he didn't achieve what he was meant to achieve when he was that close. But there, there was an external factors that people yeah. spent years, of years like sitting around the weekend waiting for Arsenal to do something to like, you know, there's some content I can consume to add some spice to my weekend. Mm. Do you know what I mean? You know, we've all thought seen everyone's been guilty of it. And that documentary came out, and I think everyone was rubbing their hands together. Yeah. Like, oh, this is going to be the one. This is going to be the latest thing. And so many people come away going, oh, actually quite like Arteta. You can't not like Arteta. Yeah. I don't think from a respect point of view as a person, the way in which he handles himself. Just yeah. want to talk about the game specifically on Sunday. I'll come on to you, Paul, in a minute, because it was some, the second half was alarming to me. And you know how much I've praised Liverpool on underclock for the last five, six years in terms of the levels they've reached, they've been out off the scale. Mm. But I felt before the game, Arsenal fans were expecting to win. Oh, of course. And you've got a pretty poor record yeah. against Liverpool. So was it just a case of Liverpool being a little bit, obviously, well below or below the best and you just being on a high? Because it was a massive expectation before the game. Yeah, I just think Arsenal fans and the team just wanted to just go for it because Liverpool haven't been on the best form. And you look at that, your top, Arsenal top of the league only been knocked off once because City played the day before. And you just think, just go for it because yeah. they've got players that are not playing to their highest standard. Trent's not playing to the highest standard and he's one of their star players, quote-unquote. Van Dijk not playing to higher standard. They've got players that, of course, can trouble you. And mm. we saw that in Nunes. And we saw that when they, when they got their two goals. But um, just have to go for it. The pressing yeah. thing for me about Arsenal is it's the manner of the victory. You know, obviously yeah. Liverpool kept equalising and so on. And but they just kept you, going. Previous years, you expect Arsenal yeah. not to bottle and as such. But, you know, definitely wilt a little and bit. Do you know what that's yeah. because of? <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I, don't mean, I don't mean to take credit, but I really think that is because of the fans. Because even every time we conceded, Straight away, the fans were just roaring yeah. Arsenal. Yeah, confidence is the, the, the yeah, equaliser for, for Liverpool in the second half. Arsenal didn't actually break stride in their performance. No. They, were, they, they were better before that goal for Liverpool, mm. and they were better after it straight away. It's almost as if like they just basically dusted themselves down, got back to the halfway. I said, right, let's just carry on going at them. Yeah. I mean, Paul, I want to come on to you in terms of Liverpool. Um, first half, there's no doubt. I thought, oh, they're just flexing the muscles a little bit here. There's something back. But I want to get on to that second half, really. I, I, I was alarmed. <laughs> were you alarmed by what you saw? Yeah, no, well, I'm, talking, I'm not talking about playing badly. I'm talking about actually the physical mm. um, depression in their performance seemed alarming to me. Well, it's alarming if you've not seen all the games Liverpool have played this season. I haven't. <laughs> I've seen two, to be fair. Well, exactly. And, you know, and, it, and it's, been a, it's been a feature of Liverpool so far this campaign. They just don't look... There's an X factor, and that's been the most frustration, frustrating part of it because in, in, you know you, you watch football teams and you, you study a, a particular football team, and you get to a point where you can go, oh well, it's largely it'll be this guy, or it's a, a slight yeah. a, a tweak here or yeah. there, and yeah, you can yeah. understand broadly how you'd fix it, but you look at Liverpool and you're like, there's so, there's something there that I you, I don't think is totally understandable from the outside. There's there's something deeper to it, and then you start to get into you know, reasons beyond the tactical and beyond injuries and, you know, you're starting to get into psychological issues and that kind of thing and that's what's most frustrating that. about the whole thing. Psychological in what way? Well, the, the manager, the my players? My theory is what? last season, because you came so close to perfection, imagine the, the impact of, like, losing two so, that close. It so it's, so it's recognisable. So you can all, all, all I can do is call back on familiarities in the past. So I think back to 2001, 2002, Liverpool come second in their modus operandi is go more attacking and they get the recruitment wrong that summer and then they have a slow start and then you know bottom winning the, the league cup that that year it's not it doesn't quite it's not quite right similarly 2008 2009 to come second and how do you improve on second where well, they go more attacking again and, and 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 it feels a little bit like 
we, we were waiting for that to happen after Kiev. We were waiting for it to happen after coming second mm. in 2018-19. How would this side pick themselves up? Well, they won't because Liverpool normally just become rubbish the season after coming so close. Like, you get so close to the sun, mm. that, that kind of stuff, that you can't really recover from it. But they have done, and this one just feels like I don't, I don't know. Just as a fan, and you know, and, and everything that went along with last season, it was exhausting covering Liverpool when you then add into all the the, the absolute shit show that was the Champions, Champions League final. final yeah. On, yeah. on top of that, and the psychological damage that that did to everyone who was present at that at that football game, and I, I couldn't tell you half the things that happened on the pitch because of everything that happened outside outside the ground that day. But to come so close to perfection to immortality, mm -hmm. and then you're norm normally you go, well, we finished second, but we can go one better. Well, I'm sorry, no one's going to believe a whale when you say we'll go one better and win the quadruple <laughs> next season because it doesn't, it doesn't happen. I'd never thought of it like that, but I th I've said before, the best team that I ever played against in English football was the Arsenal 98 team that won the double, and then the year after, they could have won the double treble again. Haven't been for, if you think about it, the, the penalty save in the semi-final. Villa Park. Villa Park, and then obviously the the... the they drew at Leeds, I think, um, and we ended up nicking That's the title. Yeah. But we won the treble that year, but it could easily have been Arsenal. They, they were, we were that close, it was undrew, but then they never recovered from that. And I never thought, as you were talking then, I just thought Arsenal never really. Yeah. And it took them two or three years, I think, to come back. It, the season after, they were a disaster. Yeah. And I'd never thought of it like that. But in terms of Liverpool, Jurgen Klopp's team, I, I said it on Sunday after the game, when they first came in, first two years for me was frantic. Without really, it wasn't really a polished team. It was just brilliant to watch, excited. Then they added the sort of the round, you know, they smoothed it off a little bit, and then they became good at possession. So you had the pressing, you had the counter attack, but you also had the possession. It seems to me now like they've got the possession. They like the slow game, but the frantic bit, the pressurising, has gone, and that was everything for me of Jurgen Klopp's team. Has that gone? Why is that gone? How's it come back? So I, I think <laughs> I, again, I think I think a little bit of that psychological factor certainly plays a factor in that. When you've got to push and you've got to go hard, and you know, and all of a sudden you're reaching for that tank, and it's like, There's well, this was there. this was here last time. Where's where where have those reserves gone? And that opens up questions around the age category of the uh, of the footballers and the profile of people at the, the club. It's undercut by injuries massively as well as that because guys who let's like let James Milner fantastic footballer and he, he, he gets so maligned and I think it's just because people like the new and the fashionable and the, the, the trendy mm. whatever in, in, in sport he's a perfect person to have in and around the squad I'm sure you've played a lot of yeah, people yeah. who just what they add off the pitch you'll never you'll never see that from outside of the football club but there's no way that he was planning to play as many minutes as he has done he's just had to step into the breach mm. because of because what have you of made injuries. of the recruitment though I've, obviously I don't want Liverpool to succeed so I'm glad <laughs> but from watching like I've I've always felt Klopp does more with less than like Pep yeah. for example yeah. but I felt he's kind of had to do that yeah. don't you feel the board should have backed him a little yeah, bit yeah yeah 100% 85 million yeah. or whatever it was on Darwin Nunes is that Liverpool's business model make no mistake Liverpool's business model is the envy of the vast majority of you know, non-oil state-funded football clubs because it has to be, you know, because it's nice to know that it's possible that if you get your commercial side right and you get your recruitment right and you get the right people in the right position structurally that you can go and challenge for the for the biggest honours. But they have run it at a point where it's been self-sustaining. It's very, it's a, I feel like it's quite an honourable way to, to run it. I'm quite, like, I'm quite bought into that. It fits the ethos, I think, of this, this, this city, the, the mentality of the fan base. But, you know, sometimes you do have to Work at a little bit of a deficit every now and again, you know, being a business owner. Sometimes you do have to take a little bit of a punt and say, we, we recognise that we need to go a little bit above and beyond, but we we trust that it's going to be 
we can make we can we can make that back further than like you know like a Woodward signing last last day of this. We, it felt really <clears throat> yeah, I mean, familiar to me, look, like, oh my yeah. God, what are they doing? Look, 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 I'm going to bring you in. Um, the theory I had after the game, but I take Paul's point around the actual, the emotion of last season, just catching up with them and then not having anything in the tank this season. I get that, actually. I can look back upon moments where that's happened. But is there an element of that Jurgen Klopp has just been punching well above his weight for so long when you look at the net spend of all the other teams? And that what he's been achieving is just off the scale to be competing with that city team to be actually where they, they have are. Spent it's, money. It, it, Let's not pretend they haven't spent money. No, but, but the <laughs> like, net spend compared to the other clubs is like. You and know, the wages are pretty high as well. You yeah, know, but, the net, but, the, them, but yeah. the net spend in terms of what they're trying to do, they're always trying to balance that. I agree. Net I agree. Spend. I'm just but saying. Anyway, yeah, you're right. They've got purpose, high wage you know. bill, but the other clubs have spent more money. You see what Chelsea? Well, you done. spend what you're in. You're yeah, right. Chelsea. What Chelsea have done this this summer? What United have done? What City have done in terms of not money, but the players they've brought yeah. in, what Arsenal have spent. Is it a case of now it's just catching up with them and actually just this was always going to come? Or is it a case of pointing towards the point that Paul makes? I think there's certainly elements of that. Clearly, Liverpool, I think, have always punched above what they've been, been able to produce um, in the bank balances. I think they've also uh, sold really well. That's something that clearly Manchester United haven't done historically. And so, therefore, their net spend is therefore that much better. Um, I do wonder if you have a manager, Jurgen Klopp, who's worked so intensely for such a long period of time, is there that period he where looks a bit tired, dips doesn't he? a little bit? Yeah. How, how, I'm, my mind boggles at how much a manager must have to do I agree. behind I agree. the scenes to motivate players time after time. They've had hits, haven't they? I mean, well, three Champions League finals and, and two defeats. It's, it's a big you know, sort of dip to try and bring people back up from, let alone the, the title chases that they've not quite succeeded against the City team that are obviously just out of this world. Um, so I sort of wonder if all those things are combining. Plus the medical side of things, the injuries is, is coming back again. We've had this before when Jurgen Klopp first joined and, and the kind of muscle injuries that players were getting. Is that all harmonious behind the scenes there? That's kind of one area that I, I would question a little bit. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately if you look at how much he's spent and, and what he's actually succeeded at, I think he's, he's been punching well above his weight. I, I think that's a fascinating point on Klopp and, and his condition or call it what you like he's just signed a new contract so mm. he's clearly up for rebuilding um, this project or taking it on to a new phase but at the same time somebody who was integral to that project Michael Edwards decided that it was time for him to go maybe he felt it was the end of his cycle or he maybe only left, he only left a few weeks ago didn't he about a month or so he, 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 two formally, years notice, he announced a year ago yeah. he announced he a year ago but he formally left I think at the end of the transfer window right. and that completed the handover to Julian Ward who was his assistant and the way Liverpool have operated in recent years and let's be clear they've been the model for many clubs most pertinently I think Arsenal who also lost the Europa League final Liverpool stuck by Klopp, yeah. Arsenal changed from Unai Emery to Mikel Arteta, but they followed similar paths and Arsenal trying to get the recruitment right in the way that Liverpool have done really impressively when you saw the likes of Jota come in out of the blue, um, at Luis Diaz recently. But there was a bit of a difference in that Darwin Nunes changed what Liverpool had been doing for so long. We, we, we could name their team lineup for in recent years just like that. <coughs> Darwin Nunes has to become the focal point of that attack at that price. And in the first, in his home debut, he was sent off. Three-game yeah. ban, you go back to the Roberto Firmino system and style. Meanwhile, Mo Salah has signed his new contract and his form has not been anywhere near the level it was before. Then you bring in the, the performance levels of people have talked about Van Dijk and Alexander-Arnold and others. And the injury situation that Laurie points to, I think is a really big story. They don't at the time of recording this, have a club doctor. I think they're interviewing for that position. Um, uh, Andreas Schlumberger, who's a 
trusted medic of Jurgen Klopp from their time together in Germany and he was with the Germany national team has come in and he's gained a lot of power and authority and it wouldn't surprise you if he starts to shape a medical department there. But day by day, even just when we started recording this, we're hearing about an injury to Joel Matip. Um, that comes off the back of whether by accident or muscular. But he's injured a lot, Alexander. Matip, Matip has been injured a lot. and They had the season when the defence was ravaged yeah. when City mm. won the title back. You've had the unfortunate injury to Trent Alexander-Arnold, which hopefully isn't as bad as feared. Um, Diaz has got an injury that sounds like it's going to keep him out until the, the New Cup, Year. Yeah. All across this team, it's being <coughs> by physical problems. And I think a lot of people were saying it's the ideal um, situation for Julian Ward to take on from Michael Edwards. But I think it's starting to look pr pretty hazardous for them now. And you mentioned the spend. You know, sometimes you have to go a little bit beyond. Well, Arsenal have spent a little bit beyond their yeah, means. Yeah. The, the owners, whether it be by loan or equity, have yeah. dipped into their pockets. And Arsenal have spent very heavily, as Gary said. Liverpool haven't been so much recently, and it's maybe the, manifested. The difficult situation Liverpool have had, I think, in that in the spend department is, in my life on Football Club, Liverpool have never had to get to the top and maintain the top. You know, I came into being a Liverpool fan at the tail end of the of the eighties, so you know, you lived toward the nineties and then the beginning of a thirty-year wait for the title and what have you. I think the build's easier, the climb's easier because you know you're getting buy-in. It's exciting. You can accept losing a few games here because you're not a complete project. And this is the one thing I think is what Jurgen Klopp's maybe got his eyes on. But look at what Ferguson did because people often look at Ferguson as an entire thing. How many years he was there? He didn't just sign that contract in the first time. He had to go through and he had to build the mm. teams. And that's that's the big challenge. Like Kenny Dalglish obviously couldn't stick around for that in, in, in 1990. Obviously, psychological factors after Hillsborough are a big part of that. And no Liverpool manager since has had to do that. And, and I don't think, the, again, the model, what, what's been left, Michael Edwards as well, his playbook is not a, is not a playbook of how, how do you continue to refresh a squad and keep it at the top. Jürgen Klopp hasn't really had to do that either before. It's a new challenge and that's where it's difficult. Pep, Pep's, Pep's done that at City. Think about those great players that he had. Yeah. You know, companies and <clears throat> people like that that have sort of, if you like, Agueros. Yeah. He, he, they have sort of they have manipulated that squad and massaged it and moved it yeah. on, like Ferguson would do over many, many years. So Alex Ferguson. And, but the what City have done, they've done it. I mean, again, it comes back to a spend thing of... They, he had that corn nucleus yeah. of it, so he didn't need to spend that money early doors. But now, what they do, they'll turn around, they're, they're, going, they're buying superstars now, which is something they've, they've never no. really Could done. You, I want to ask City. you about Jurgen Klopp a question, because I mean, at, at, Liverpool is an emotional city, it has passion, that's just, it's built on that. It's his great strength. But Jurgen Klopp's an emotional and passionate manager. Are you concerned that he is, and it's been mentioned, I don't, I don't think I am in terms of, I don't think I'm saying it, but I'm asking you the question on being there every single Are you feeling that there could be a moment whereby he thinks, I've taken this as far as I can. And actually, you know, it's been the great relationship, it's a great marriage. I just need to shake, we just need to shake hands whilst it's good. Or do you think he's going to be there in two, three, four years and see this through? I think he will be, honestly. Yeah. I mean, and again, you can never say, because look, if Liverpool lose 20 games back to back, <laughs> you know, then, then there'll be different conversations to be had, of course. But... Oh, we'll be having them, don't worry. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I'll look forward to photos galore. Um, no, uh, he, he strikes me. Uh, people say, look, he looks, he looks tired, he looks whatever. He looks pissed off because he's lost, losing, not winning football matches. Yeah. And again, being an emotional person, you do, you have that. How, do you, how are you meant to come out and be all sweetness and light when yeah. your team have just performed like idiots in, in key moments? He does look tired, though. <laughs> he really does but, look yeah, tired. Yeah, but then again, I, you know, I, I look, I look, Always I look tired, tired. Yeah, yeah, yeah. over the last uh, you know, couple of years. <laughs> do you think the Sadio Mane thing was a shock I'm, to him? It was a strange I'll one, that, wasn't it? That seems like a big loss, doesn't it? It's brilliant. It just came out the blue to me. I mean, it just came out yeah. 
I got told that the Nunes thing was very much related to that, whereby, you know, he was available. People were talking about him at, like, 40, 50 million euro in, in sort of April time. You know, United were obviously sort of having talks with his people. Um, and then ultimately it comes to, what, 100 million euro, I think, ultimately. Um, I suspect that the Diaz stuff was... W- w- spoke to me that they had a clear understanding that Mane was on the way because... Do so you think I, that's for him rather than for Exactly, because everyone's been talking rotating. about this Nunes is Mane's replacement. And nominally, yeah, because Mane finished the season centre-forward, mm-hmm. but he was that's because Jota was injured mm-hmm. and that's because Firmino had, had fitness issues all season long. They made, they made the... And Mane's, let's be honest, his output from the left-hand side had been diminished for a couple of seasons. We, we'd gotten the best we were ever going to get out of Sadio Mane. The Diaz signing spoke to me anyway of... Mm-hmm. Well, let's 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 add some verve onto the left left wing again. The Diaz one is a great example of Liverpool's recruitment staff being really smart because they Spurs had set it all up, and then at the very end, you know, Liverpool nip in and, and get him for the price yeah. that they'd agreed. And I think there was uh, sort of suggestions that uh, John W. Henry sort of congratulated his recruitment staff. Daniel Lever was very disappointed and, and kind of vocalised that to people. And John W. Henry sort of saw it the other way. Um, but I thought that the Nunes one was really interesting just because it is above what Liverpool have spent on a single player. And, and was that something that Klopp really pushed for because he'd seen him in the flesh and really liked him? I would him. say he signs everything off, eh, Klopp, at Liverpool. He definitely, he definitely signs like, sign more than So if the recruitment staff have sort of mm. slight reservations about the value okay. in terms of what their player they're going after, does Klopp's authority therefore, right, no, we are going to go and spend... I think he would have the power to be able to push that through. I feel like Klopp. got some insight in this. No, I wanted to pick up on Gary's point about Klopp's authority in that. I, I don't think we doubt the strength of his voice, um, but he made pretty clear his determination to sign a midfielder in the summer. He wanted Chouameni from Monaco. Um, and what do you think on whether Artur Melo was his signing on deadline day? There's heavy speculation Mm. that he was carrying some physical problems with him. He's now undergoing surgery, having barely played for Liverpool at all. That doesn't strike me as being a club signing. No, I would agree with that. I mean, I watched Liverpool Sunday. I watched them at Old Trafford. Watched them, obviously, on Sunday. And people talk about the fact that Mane is missing. But actually, Diaz... I thought Jota and Nunez in particular, I thought were pretty decent. They were a real threat. The actual most worrying performance for me out of Liverpool front foot is the is the world star, the one that's been nearest to winning all the t- top awards. It was Mo Salah. What 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 is that? Just a case of you know, bad form? Is it a case of signing the contract? And what is it? A, is it a worry to you? <laughs> yeah, to add Salah along the list of just weird issues that Liverpool have got to contend with at the moment. Of I watched Salah play. Like look at his touch. Like, like yeah. is, 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 there's nothing wrong with him as a doesn't look anything physically yeah. wrong with him. He looks like he's actually enjoying himself. You know, he's, you see him smile on the pitch. He doesn't like have no, yeah. no bad posture, body no, language no. issues there. I think he's too far from the goal. I think that's a, that's an issue. He's, he's look, he's always had a bit of chalk on his boots at times. Liverpool have used him a lot. They've had Henderson playing underlapping things. They were moving towards Harvey Elliott, getting a little bit a little bit closer to the 18-yard box as well. He's not been the same since. African Cup of Nations. You know, his goal return has been nothing like the level that it was prior to Christmas. Last Those year. runs that he used to make all the time, that run, that's, it, it, him and Manny made it, to be fair. Mm. I, I didn't see that on Sunday at all, have No, I? and I, I think, and again, whether it's Liverpool are gearing up towards something that we've just not been able to see because of Nunes' suspensions and injuries mm. and all those kind of things, we don't kind of know, but it, it's, it's a real, real head-scratcher because there's, there's your main man, there's your main goal source over the last five seasons... And he just looks like he's turned back to a, a right midfielder almost. You know what I mean? He's playing, he's playing a secondary role. And his creativity is there. You know, he's playing some great passes. The, the interplay there, showing some positive signs of them in Nunes. It's very early doors. 
it's just yeah. When you're looking at where, where's the most where's the most solid everyone has in their FPL team, who's guaranteed <laughs> yeah, points every week, is what people say to me, and that's that's right. You know, yeah. he's not he's not bad this season so far, and I honestly don't know other than something you know some sort of tactical shift that just gets him closer yeah. to the it's 18. like Marvin Agler said, well, um, got them silk sheets now, new contract. <laughs> <laughs> don't have to work as hard no more. Well, you didn't see that on Sunday because of Martinelli, mainly. Martinelli hooked off that whole right side and Tommy Asu. Well, Tommy, Tommy Asu oh, playing as an inverted yeah. full, like, right foot yeah, yeah. full back. <laughs> that He's got maybe. the height as well, yeah. which cut out the diagonal ball over to Mo Salah. He, he, did, yeah. he did a great job, great job on him. You mentioned um, Salah. While we've been recording this, there are reports that the relationship between Kylian Mbappe and PSG is broken. Wow. And everybody's going to Liverpool and Mbappe. The, the, the suggestion being that they would do business for him, but any club other than Real Madrid after what's gone before. <laughs> and suggestions sense. not from me, but reports in France that Liverpool might be a destination. What? Sort of mutual you know? admiration before, but is that sort of thing realistic? It's to I watch can't. the Eurovision Song Contest. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big fan, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. He's the only one who's going to find the hotel in Liverpool for the Eurovision. Does he want Michael Edwards' job? Who was coming in for? Yeah, well, no, I mean, there's been a running joke in Liverpool fan base for the last three years. It was like Mbappe 2020, Mbappe 2021, Mbappe 2022. No, but again, it's the way. You got it in 23 then. Well, absolutely, yeah. You know, we got there eventually. Yeah. Um, but no, I, it's the wage. I just thought, I can't yeah. imagine a world where Liverpool, having just played hardball with Mo Salah for two years, to get him to a reasonable thing that they could they could rubber stamp the idea that Kylian Mbappe yeah. would would come in is is I mean by all means go for it speculate all you like yeah, 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 sounds yeah. good doesn't it go wild. and as Carroll always says to me when we signing Bellingham when we and that yeah. that's one that Liverpool I think would be keen to be in the frame for in 2023 but but, but he's but, but Bellingham doesn't look like one but, that could but happen but on, se- on a serious note though if you're if you're Liverpool's owners now and let's say this season continues in the sort of manner that it has done so far and they finish outside the Champions League Jurgen Klopp is going to want that that type of, I'm not saying it's Mbappe, but Bellingham, Mbappe, he's going to mm. want that type of statement from, from the owners and board, I yeah. suspect. Yeah. You know, why wouldn't they? I mean, well, Man City have not, have not changed the game, have they? But they've changed their game. Yeah. And, and, and you know, all oh, the Erling, Erling Haaland stuff, you know, and you, you see, you read between the lines of that deal and what's being, what's being spent on that. Yeah. And you get the return, you know, no, no, no City fan on it. We should play double. You know, no, exactly, yeah. exactly. No City fan on it. It's going to sit back and complain at what's being paid yeah. when the guy scored, and, you know, a goal a game. That might be something where Liverpool's owners do look around yeah. and go, well, we've tried this for a while. And if, if people talk about Liverpool's owners and there's a, there's a lot of negativity around them, particularly, particularly online. But it's, for them, it's the value of the portfolio. And it's about, they don't, they don't want Liverpool to not be successful because it shrinks the value of their portfolio, yeah. not just Liverpool Football Club. And there might come a point where you'd hope where they go, well, if it's a difference between us falling back into the pack and then you're going into the scrap for Champions League and then you can't have certainty around that, that's going to impact the commercial deals and that's mm-hmm. going to uh, impact, the bo- impact the bottom line of the football club they might be in a position where they go well if that's how the game's played now we've been sensible for all this point maybe we do have to go yeah. and if you're going to go then you go for someone who's going to be Ala Erling Haaland go for a sure yeah. thing go and get someone who you know you're going to get 10 years of being the best player on the on the planet let's wrap Arsenal and Liverpool up and I want a prediction of where you think both clubs are going to finish oh, from I'll... every single person. We like to I just, wanted to ask you this. What we know? like to do, to be fair, is to make sure that we can sort of come back and visit these predictions yeah, at the end of the season. They usually harm me badly, <laughs> so I'm happy to get it. So, Dave, starting with you, Liverpool, where are they going to finish? Arsenal, where are they going to finish? I think Liverpool uh, look like they'll finish just outside the top four. Um, they've got so much quality in them to challenge for it, so you can't discount that, but... 
maybe the way things are looking, a fifth place finish. Mm. And Arsenal, um, they should finish within the top four the way things are going. They may even do a little bit of business in, in January, let's see, to help them kick on because yeah. the owners seem committed to that. Um, whether they can push Manchester City all the way um, is going to be a massive yeah. ask. I'd say a top four finish for Arsenal, maybe just outside for Liverpool. Yeah. Listen, oh. if we're extrapolating the points out so far, they're going to finish 10th Look, we're in danger of being this hope rather than expectation thing, and I've been that Liverpool fan mm. for most of my Liverpool fandom, to be fair. If you're going to trust a manager and a team to get it right, it's, it's these ones. I, I, think they'll, I think they'll finish in the top four, but I've got a sneaky feeling. Champions League final in Istanbul again at the end of the season. No. You know, fourth and a European Cup. What, Liverpool, that. yeah? That'd be a disaster. <laughs> so you think one. they will finish in the top four? Yeah. And Arsenal? I think Arsenal finish in the top four as well. I, second or third. OK. Pippa? Interesting. Um, I mean, if I'm going on current form, I have to say Liverpool outside top four. I mm. think just fifth. Um, Arsenal, I want to be ambitious, but not too ambitious. I'll say second. <laughs> You're laughing. That's like... No, 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 I'm I'm you said I want to be ambitious, but I thought you were going to say third or fourth. I did, but second, I'm moving on. Adam, where are these two clubs? On, I think we, not, not from, Liverpool, not, fifth, sixth. I think they'll have a rally at the end of the yeah, yeah, I think Arsenal will get top four. I think because of the way Chelsea and Liverpool are at the moment, I think they look like the most settled team. Yeah, but well, I, I should know, unfortunately, watching Liverpool for the challenge, I, I, I can't see them not having a good run at some point. I think they're yeah, going to make top four as well. Right. I just think they will do. I think I can't see them getting it wrong for that long. Right. You know, I just think they will turn so around. So you think Liverpool will get the top four? Yes, and I think Liverpool. Arsenal. Uh, so Arsenal, Arsenal, yeah, second or third, probably third, I reckon. I, I, it depends what Chelsea do. Chelsea are the yeah, ones for yeah. me and Spurs. But are these two finishing in the top four? Yes, I reckon so. Yeah. Laurie? I like how you come to me last because I hate predictions. Um, yeah. So do I. That's yeah. why I've missed myself. Out. You no, you have to ask. I've seen your latest Instagram. I'll do it at the end. Um, at Liverpool, I mean, a couple of seasons ago, didn't they, where we thought no chance they're going to make top four and then they, yeah. they somehow cobbled it together with that defence. They made top four with Nath Phillips and Reese Williams. I mean, I was at that game at Old Trafford and you're thinking, oh, this is United, you know, putting them out of it altogether and then they come back and win 4-2. So, you know, never... Had an informed Mane, Salah, though. Informed Salah, yeah. The Salah thing, if, if he can click, I think they'll finish top four. But if, if he keeps going yeah. like this way, sort of drifting a little bit, um, I don't <laughs> think they make top four. I don't four. think he's a middle ground. I think it's like, like top four or eighth. That's what like, you what? Know? I what? I don't really think it's like, 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 I'm getting really right already. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. The injuries as well now. So. Yeah, and I do think Arsenal in a good good way. Um, he seems to have them collective, and so I think they'll finish top four. But you know, there's then who, who drops out? Exactly. That's my Remember thing. When they were talking about these like being the greatest team ever. And all yeah. That. And so I'm going to go with every <laughs> trophy in the last. And now I think Arsenal will finish fourth and fifth. 
We can't finish, in two, we can't finish I, in two I places. I don't know which one will finish where. <laughs> That's a good way to predict. I mean, a couple of months ago, you said we wouldn't be in the top four. So. I don't. Just, I, might, I might still hang with it. Okay. Just to sort of just fizz it up a little bit, you know what I mean? Just to attract the sort of noise that I like. Just on feed every day, you know what I mean? Just Thursday morning, I'll wake up. And you know what I mean? Gary Trollville. Do you know something? I think. I look at Tottenham, I look at Chelsea, I look at United, City, mm-hmm. Liverpool could come. It's still a big job for Arsenal. There's no doubt at the moment. What do you, what do you see when you look at United? Um, something that isn't spectacular at the moment, but I think this season's a marathon more than most. And momentum yeah. will swing mm-hmm. back and forward. I mean, the Queen's passing, the World Cup, it's just been disrupted. Mm-hmm. It's a, it's, nothing's really got started properly yet. And I just feel that come... Coming back from the World Cup could be completely different. I always used to Let's remember. Let's just start the season. No, then. I always Let's used to remember the, cha- the, the Champions League. Don't avoid it. When the Champions, <laughs> the Champions League finished in December yeah. and the uh, knockout phase wasn't until sometimes March or end of February, and you used to favourites in December, very rarely won it in March. Mm. So for me, I, that's what I would say at this moment in time. So I'm, I'll go. I don't think Liverpool will finish in the top four. I'll go Liverpool outside the top four. Arsenal could still be outside the top four as well for me. But I'm going to put you in just for now, just to keep you all happy. Oh, yeah, just, just for this Right, <laughs> let's move on to the Manchester clubs and the phenomenon at this moment in time that is Manchester City. And to be fair, we've, I mean, City have been phenomenal for, for, I don't know, many years now. Yeah. But I got a little bit bored of watching City, and that's in a respectful <laughs> way, because it just seemed to be the same every single week. But then you've put this... Been called an animal, a robot, a machine, <laughs> a beast, whatever you want to call him. This superhuman individual up front that just seems to me to just change the game completely. And I have to say that going to City, watching him is a... I mean, it's not a pleasure from a point of view of inside, but you just cannot help but think, wow, what is that? It, it's changed. Um, the, the mood around the stadium, amongst the fans, I'm seeing new faces at the ground, you know, you everywhere will. you are. It's, it's, it's changed. There's a superstar at City on another level that we've just not had before. We've been close to it, people like Aguero, Silva, Yaya, even Pep to an extent, even De Bruyne, but Erling's a different level. He's a different level, he's uh, genuinely... It's you say that. I actually thought that when I went to interview him last week and then I watched the game against United and I thought, this will draw new fans to City. I was um, I was working the Derby game with Man City. I do a lot of their stuff on their shows and they're yep. on YouTube content. And I was sat there after the show doing um, doing one of the, the kind of like match reaction, obviously buzzing and whatever. But I kind of was looking over and I could see Erling Haaland being interviewed. I noticed this guy run over and get a picture of him. I was like, what's he doing? Then I noticed him run across the pitch, get chased by the stewards and run back into the United end. Like some guy in the game just to sneak on the pitch 10 minutes What's afterwards. going on? It's not United. It's not United. way, yeah, it was Hanson actually, yeah. <laughs> just to get a photo of Haaland though, but that you never saw that ever. Like, like whatever it is, he is genuinely like he's changed um, what I thought was Probably normal. Soldier. You know, like um, <laughs> but he, he is a superstar, and the kids want to be Haaland. You know, yeah. like they, they do, and like I wouldn't be surprised. You see kids now wearing headbands and all that kind of stuff because Grealish and Haaland mm. or whatever, and it's it is weird. And I've got to the point now where I, I just laugh every time he scores, and I'm not used to that. Like, has happened this since the Gallagher brothers in the nineties? <laughs> 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 But, you know, they like, were running around in South TikTok. The Neville brothers were the big. The Neville brothers were the big brothers in the nineties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, brothers. You know, that's it, oh, yeah, uh, but no, genuinely, he's different to what we've been used to. And look, City, I can I can admit that. You know, since the takeover, we've we've not had you know, someone who is the global icon. United, yeah. of course, have had it. You know. 
Um, but this is, it feels different. It just does feel different. And I think the, the players know it. I think Pep knows it. He said he gets 50 questions in the press conference and 45 about Haaland, you know. And, and it, that's what happens when you get someone like a Ronaldo or a Messi. And Haaland is in that Mbappe level as well, the next ones. And just, it's just something silly. on goals. Is it sustainable, the 40% shot conversion? He, he actually is on track for 67 goals. Honestly, I, he was always averaging a goal a game beforehand. And my logic was, he, look at all the chances that people have wasted from Kevin De Bruyne over the past few years and it was honestly silly at times. I know City were yeah, good, but I, I remember when we were doing the season preview overlap with you guys and we were chatting to, you know, Jamie was saying, look, it's not going to change the points total, but I said, it's not about that. He's going to kill off games after half an hour as opposed mm. to 80 minutes and waiting for a potential second or whatever. And he has changed it and I don't see any reason why it'll slow down because he's done it at every single level. He's Norway, you know, Salzburg, Dortmund, the Champions League as a teenager. Like, mm. Everything about his game is just pure goals and I don't, I think we're maybe people hoping for him to drop off, but it doesn't seem to ally to who he is as a person. You know, some people just score goals and if you give him chances, his shot conversion rate's about 60% or something. Just, it's just silly. In terms of, obviously, we're not at the business end of the season, but it will come down to, it's a fact this, it will come down to, I mean, his goals will obviously be potentially, yeah. like, unbelievable, but it will come down to City winning the league and winning the Champions League as to whether it's a success. That, it is going to come down to that in the end, yeah, isn't no, it? Yeah, and I think you're probably... I think that's fair. I mean, I've always... That's what defended. he's been for. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, of course it is. And if you look at the, the, the reason maybe that we went out last season, the first leg against Real Madrid, and we wasted about a tonne of chances. It ended up... I mean, it ended up where it should have been about 6-1 or something like that. But we missed so many chances that we gave Real just enough hope to turn it around, which they do. But that's probably a different tie of Holland's playing because he is that good and he does... You know, um, he does finish his chances like that. But I also do believe as well that, you know, he's making those around him more confident. You know, there's an element of he's got this orbit to him and magnetism about his game. Like you see in space, you look at the game at the weekend and Mares and Foden had so much space, but they're taking chances that maybe last season they would have missed because I, I always felt the problem with people... Um, uh, when we didn't have Aguero in the false nine is that you're asking midfielders to be the goal scorer and that, that's fine when you've got an Aguero to fall back on because mm. you, you, the pressure's not on you you know you can you can do your job and you don't doesn't matter if Phil Foden or Sterling missed a chance because Sergio's got a bad one anyway but for a long time it was on them and we were seeing players even though I know she won the league but we were still seeing Foden and Jesus and whatever and Sterling you know, snap at kind of chances or snatch at chances that normally they probably would have buried. And yeah. we're seeing that this season already. Like, Foden is banging form, scoring loads of goals, and he looks confident and he looks secure in the knowledge that he's got this guy alongside him that changes things. So it's a very lucky time to be a Man yeah. City fan. It always we has been, but even more so right now. Were you in the stadium week last Sunday? No, no, I didn't go to the... Uh, oh, I, mean, I was. It was yeah. wonderful. Yeah, I mean, I was, <laughs> Look, to be honest with you, I, I, I was in the stadium and it was, it was like a... It was a what the... It, felt, it didn't feel as bad. You know, last year when we lost against them and it was just like, oh my God, there's no hope yeah. here. It didn't, it felt like we're just witnessing Something, a freak. It was like yeah, when yeah. R9 came to Old Trafford. I don't think he's, I think R9's the greatest, but when R, it was like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, what was know, that? This I remember is that game. I agree. He is a cheat, to be honest. A massive <laughs> scoring too many goals. Now, um, it's ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know how he does it, and he not only does he score great goals and goals where his feet are in the air, <laughs> all those kind of things. It's he scored two goals the other day, and they were just open goal tappings, and it's like the anticipation to get there before the defender and his yeah. movement. I think I think he's incredible. The thing that we heard about Mbappe there, and him not being allowed to be sold to Real Madrid, just filled me with joy because it makes me think, go on Real, 
<laughs> do the deed and save well, us all because that's the only way out of this. Well, he's, 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 Paul, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Paul Belushi said the that. The only way out of this. He's got, he's got a release clause. 200 million euros, isn't it, in 2024? Yeah. So obviously, it's a lot of money, but as we've seen... How much is it? 200 million in 2024. The release clause. Oh, oh, abroad, abroad though, not the Premier League. Yeah, not the Premier League. <laughs> Allegedly, but then... And it decreases yeah. as the years go on. But I don't... I, to be honest, I mean, there's, there's a relative win-win there for City, you know? Like, if we sell him for 200 million euros, that, it'd, be, it'd be naff, but he's gone abroad and we well, made loads of well, money, scored loads of goals, and it's like... Well, that was the thing that... You, Alvarez, you, so that'll do. Stop United from apparently going for him, or maybe he would have already, already chosen Borussia Dortmund, but, you know, United rejected the idea of a release clause. Would you have been happy if United had done a release clause where it would have got two, three years out of him, if that's what City have done. And maybe they think, OK, as it goes on, he'll actually want to stay yeah, he, at Man City because well, he likes it. It's not it ideal, but you'd have to say, yes, Manchester United would have to take that because we're only getting a couple of years out of Ronaldo. Yeah. There's a number of players in the last five... Cavani we got a year or so out yeah. of, Agal. We've signed many strikers that we're only getting a year or so out of. Yeah. So if United to say you're going to get two or three years out of one of the best, yeah. you'd absolutely... Un unfortunately, where I understand the historic principle and the sort of tradition of United thinking we're not going to accept a release clause, but at the, mo at the position they're in now to have Haaland for three years or Mbappe for two years... Of course, you'd have to so that's the that. world that you're in currently. If a player wants to go Real Madrid, you're not stopping them anyway. No, yeah, and, I, and does that not just underline the elite level of City's operation and recruitment and the confidence that they've got in their own decisions that they can bring somebody in and they're humble enough to say, well, he may move in a few years. He's got the mechanism and that's helped us to attract him to our club. But as Laurie says, he may be happy enough when we get to that point <laughs> that he signs a new contract or stays, or maybe he does go and City have got themselves an amazing player for a couple of years and they've managed to win the Champions yeah. League and they've got the courage of their convictions to do that at the recruitment phase. Well, I think it's smart, personally. I, I, I do think it is smart and I think a lot of people have gone, why have you let Jesus and Sterling go to this club and that club rivals? But I do think there's an intelligence in the way that City handle their outgoings, which is they treat players like adults and they say, if you want to be here, you know, yeah, you, you can be here. If you want to go, you can go, but at least let it make business sense for us. But I do think if you were a player looking to come to Manchester City like Haaland has done or whatever, you would trust them because they've, they've probably shown that they are willing to let players go if they want to go. Well, so their Pep, career Pep, is still... Pep could have gone, but he's chosen to stay because there's no other project that he looks at in the whole of European football. I think it's football. tempting as he's a player, He's out of contract next summer. Yeah, but, well, we don't but, talk but, about but, that, you know, but if, it's too, yeah, but if, terrifying. Yeah, but if you're Pep Guardiola <laughs> and you're looking... I suspect that Manchester may not be the best place in the world for him to live. He travels of, back to Barcelona yeah, a lot. I'm sure he does. Mm. I'm sure that he'd love to live in sort of a different place in Europe and Barcelona or other place like that. But if he looks at a football project and thinks... Where am I going to get this now in Europe? Yeah. He isn't getting that anywhere. Yeah. No. To build that team he's got at City with that player up front that he's got, that would take him two, three, four, five. He might, might never do it, like yeah. at Bayern Munich. That team he's got now, if that goes and wins the Champions League this year, I mean, where's he going to get that again? So that's why, I mean, yeah. Haaland's the Speaking same. Where, is he well, looking at Real Madrid and thinking, I want that? Or He might do, but you forget as well. He, when he obviously decided maybe one day I want Real Madrid, and his dad yeah. apparently said in documentary, it's not just Madrid, he wants to play in all the major leagues at some point. But you say that when you're 20 years old, and look, I'm sure at some point most footballers think, I'll oh, play here and play there. But you grow up, you, you meet a partner, you settle down mm. or whatever, and you win the Champions League or something like that, I don't know. But either way, what you think at 25 is not the same as what you think at 22. Yeah. Um, he might go, but there's a very good chance he also might stay because you get settled, don't you? You know, you, you get comfortable where you are. You might have a kid or whatever, and you think... Nice light rain. 
You might like really like rain. Norway, you know. Like, <laughs> also, to be honest, as well, like Manchester's pretty chill. You're allowed to be a superstar and kind of crack on, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. yeah we saw him bopping yeah. down the street. Yeah, he's, <laughs> we thought yeah. that Sergio Aguero was going to leave City pretty much every year yeah. after he joined, and he stayed and stayed and stayed he, until quite homely club, you know. And I know yeah. people. Harlan does feel like he's got a checklist he wants to tick. Hundred percent. Yeah, Harlan feels like he's got it all mapped out. I mean, it's crazy how young he's been. I guess maybe it's having the footballer father and you know keeping up with Mino Rola so soon in his career and having it all you know planned. It's a very professional, very adult, grown-up way to go about things. And if City have you know, got the benefit of that for a couple of years, then well, I'm sure they'll be great. You know what you say, it's better to love than lost than never love at all. You know? <laughs> so if Erling goes, so be it. It does speak to the, the quest for the Champions League, though, doesn't it? You know, about saying that's what it's a Hail Mary, I think, for the European yeah. Cup. Yeah. It's like, it means you get to keep Pep round for a little bit longer, maybe he does another year or whatever, yeah. if he does. If he gets it this season, who knows, maybe he goes, well, that's, that's me, I've accomplished what I want, mm -hmm. want to accomplish. Fingers crossed. Um, but, but Manchester City are a club set up to win the European Cup. They are. You go to that stadium, look at the expansion, and we joke about not being able to fill the seats, but when you win a European Cup, you fill those seats, yeah. you, find, you acquire new fans, you, you grow your fan base, because it does. I know Liverpool fans who started supporting them in 2007. What was the first game you watched? Champions League final, Athens. We lost that one, but they watched Liverpool yeah. play in the Champions League final. And went, I like that, and that, and that's for me. And that's what happens is City are prepared for that, and it, it looks like they've gone well two or three years on Erling Haaland. He'll be the thing to do it. If it goes wrong, then we, we can on that, move that fan on. thing. Obviously, everyone jokes about it. Not a large City do sell out, but there was the odd game, maybe a, a dead rubber, you know, against a lower team where there might be a thousand seats or whatever. To, that's not happening this season, by the way, and that's the Haaland effect once again. Yeah. You know, in every every game's been a sellout, and I think. That is this superstar effect, isn't it? It is it's a crazy. point that people joke about, but actually when you live in this area like I do, within the schools, the children, you do see more and more genuine city fans, shirts, it's crazy. conversations. Yeah, it's crazy. And, and this is actually taking it to a new level. I, I saw some statistic about shirt sales for yeah, City yeah, this... recently compared to previous seasons, and it's gone through the roof. I also don't think I can remember a player, I know it's early days, who has created such a buzz around the Premier League and as much mutual respect. When Ronaldo was flying, when you were playing alongside mm. him, I remember there was a lot of hatred towards him because <laughs> he was so good, maybe his style going down at free kicks, playing for Man United. But with Haaland... Getting people it, sent it, off and it, winking at the... That, the that as well. Yeah, he was a bit <laughs> sly. There doesn't <laughs> seem to be that sort of... Um, there doesn't seem to have been that frenzy f for anyone else that I can remember. And, and the other thing that you picked up, uh, that you mentioned, other than saying uh, he might have a kid, which is a scary prospect, uh, <laughs> given, given the family... Oh, he's got a good 20 years now. Yeah. Family, uh, well, I watched DNA. a giraffe come out with him. <laughs> yeah, but the, the, um, you made a really good point about what it's done to other players. Uh, I, I felt that a lot of the time, because of the expectations on City, those um, attacking midfielders were playing with stress to score. Oh, Foden looks and, 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 and you, could, you could actually visually see it. And when a wrong decision was yeah. made, there was a lot of scrutiny. And you could see it with Guardiola on the touchline as well. It's all well and good being more relaxed the way things are going now, but you can actually see it in, Physically, in yeah. Guardiola. And you can see it in those players that they look a little bit liberated, that a weight's been taken off their shoulders. And when you're seeing Grealish run inside and Bernardo Silva and his trickery and De Bruyne's audacious attempts at passes keep that going, know somebody it great. I love it. Yeah. The end <laughs> it does make you think that things are slightly different. However, the one thing none of us have mentioned is what City do if he was to get injured. I know you, you said Alvarez is there, but it could change a lot. 
I, you're right. Um, I, weirdly, and I'm not just trying to big up Steve for the sake, but I do think Alvarez would probably be near the top of the scoring charts if he played every week as well, because when he has had games with minutes on the pitch, he scored. And he's probably yeah. going to play, you know, I think as we're recording this, City are about to play in the Champions League. He's probably going to play tonight and probably going to score as well. So he's not he's not obviously Haaland, but I do think he's another yeah. little potential superstar. Just, just want to finish with the two lads on Foden. And does he play for England oh, in yeah. the... He has to. Hang on a second, forget you, one second. I know you're going to say he has to, I agree with you. Do you, think, do you think Foden plays in the World Cup for England? As in, do I think Gareth Southgate will play yes. more? Yeah, do you think Gareth Southgate starts him in the first games? Yeah, I do. I tournament? think he's in possession of the position. Um, we saw that from the last um, international break with the two Nations League games. I think he has come into a level of form that we've not seen him uh, exhibiting for Manchester City and to an extent England um, at all. And when you look at his competition for those positions, so you've got Sterling, Saka, and then obviously Kane in that unit as well, Mason Mount. Um, I think if we're going on what Gareth Southgate will do at this moment in time, I don't that's... see how Foden doesn't start that first game against yeah. Iran. That, I mean, that's where I'm at. Laurie? Yeah, he has to. He's a special talent, isn't he? I mean, I, I was at the Etihad uh, a couple of weeks ago and it was a kind of wow moment, not only for Haaland and the way that the United players responded to him. Um, you could tell that there was a bit of tension there. How's he going to move? How do we follow him? But also Foden. I mean, the way that he outstripped Malassia. I mean, yeah. I, I thought Malassia was supposed to be quick, but, he, you know, it's a 60-yard sprint and he, and he does him at the far post. And, and then also just the way he hits the ball, it's, it's great to see, isn't it? You know, from a, a kind of a football fan, just generally. Um, so, yeah, I think if, if he's fit, he has to be in that starting eleven. Last question on City, and it's just one to everybody. Does anybody see any chance that City won't win the league around this no. There's a reason I said that. Haaland getting injured is, but I, again, I don't. <laughs> I, I, they still win the league. The, the Haaland injury thing as well. I mean, Prep's mentioned it, hasn't he? Credit to the medical team because he did have some problems at Dortmund last season. Yeah. So Everyone it, has problems at Dortmund, though, that's the thing. I suppose, so, I suppose yeah. maybe that is one point. But yeah. you do, you know, if you, if you just. Yeah. Even I, if I that think, happened, it means. No, any, it seems anyway. like a role. It doesn't seem like you can injure him. <laughs> <laughs> You've seen that clip of the guy chopping him and he, he goes yeah, up and twice. Like, <laughs> as well, isn't it? <laughs> what, what can you do to stop this guy? No, I do think um, Haaland, we're so lucky that he's scoring so many goals that he's only playing 68 minutes a game and then we forget as well, he's going to be sat with his feet up during the World Cup doing nothing. So yeah, yeah, that, he's going to be... Being, <laughs> Hopefully he gets dead I, fat. In Manchester he could. He definitely could. Probably right, let's move right. on to Manchester yeah. United. And uh, Adam, where are we at? I, I've, I, I take your point before about it didn't feel that bad. The reason I didn't feel it felt that bad, and I said it after the game, was that if they beat Everton, which we did, actually you think, yeah, I can accept that last weekend yeah. because of what happened. They're back on track again, it I felt like. I also think like. if you look at, the, like, we played Liverpool, Arsenal, City, we got six out of nine points. I and think you've you quite can, wanted Man City to beat us in the last few seasons as well. You've wanted City to beat us in the last few years. We haven't well, needed right. to want them now. because Was, like, was it humbling, <laughs> by the way? Did it feel like a humbling? It didn't feel like a humbling. It just felt like, what is this ridiculous guy noise. doing just confidence. continuously scoring? It just felt... I I One. must admit, I felt it was more a case of what are, what the hell am I watching with City than, than <laughs> to be fair, I think most teams will get a good do. I mean, I'll be interested, to be honest, I say this, I actually think where City are playing Sunday is the one place that I think they could have problems because they've got yeah, something in them. No, they've got something in them. They have. They've just got something in them that can just rise and just do something and it can be a, it can be a game that you lose in five minutes. You've, yeah. you've lost oh, it yeah. there in five minutes before. So I think Sunday's a massive test. But if they go there and do them on Sunday... I did. I, I mean, didn't feel the selection was was probably wrong going into the Etihad. Yeah. I thought which, Casemiro which, should have started. Why did, did you think that before? Did you, did, but did you think that before the game? Yeah, no, I thought did I said you? that before the game with McTominay because I felt Ericsson and Bruno. 
they left us a little bit because you got one mm. sitting, you got Ericsson and Bruno looking to push forward. I think that left us a bit too open. And I think because we were playing well, the results were going well, I think Eric thought, let's go into this, we'll play mm. our football. And I think eventually we just got beat by a better side. But watching Manchester United at the moment, I think I'm much happier seeing... We're not, we've not played for 90 minutes yet. No. But you are seeing glimpses of the football that Eric Ten Hag wants to play. You're seeing moves that go through the whole mm. team. I think Lissandro Martinez, your mate Carragher, got that so wrong. I think he's... Not only is he very good defensively... One for the first time. But also, with, his, <laughs> with the ball at his feet, he's like, a, he's like an extra midfielder for us. He's able to pass the ball through the lines. Um, I think he's been a huge addition to the team. And it just generally feels like we're building something and moving into the right direction. I'm not going to get carried away at any point and think, oh, we're going to do this or that this season. But we're heading in the right direction. It, and I think we need uh, to enjoy the manager's um, The manager has impressed me, I have to say. I think he comes out of that transfer window, which was an absolute shocker. Mm. The handling of Ronaldo, the handling of Maguire, even Luke Shaw coming back in. At the week. good the other day. Even Luke Shaw coming back in, and to be fair, doing that and bringing him back in. Um, Handling the 4 0 defeat at Brentford the way in which he did that week. Mm. I, I think I have to say he's, he's, he's very he's good in the press. He's pretty impressive, I think. He's very, he's very good in the press and the way he handles the press and speaks with them. I know you guys would have experienced it a little bit more, but I always feel he's got the right answer. Sometimes you used to get a United manager, things would be going well, and they'd say something, and you go, mm. Well, what was that? Why did he say that? Well, who's he having a dig at there and stuff? And you haven't really seen that from Eric Ten Hag. It's all about the football, it's all about building the squad. I do, I am worried. By when the financial results came out, the Richard Arnold that we're all talking about, oh, there's not going to be any signings in, in, in the next window or maybe in the next... And that's worrying me a little bit because there's we no need to continuously there, build. No, there isn't. Um, and I think we need to continuously build. If we want Ten Hag to be a success, we, need to, we can't just rely on what we have at the moment. Yes, we've got some good youngsters coming through, but we need to continue to back him and give him the support and give him the signings. And it's clear we still need one or two. <coughs> I mean, Christian Eriksen's a fantastic signing. One of the best bargains we've had since mm. like what, Schmeichel's a couple yeah. of hundred grand like yeah. you know so I haven't seen us sign someone that good um, Henrik Larsson was a free transfer Henrik Larsson but yeah. he only there Lord, for a few months yeah. <laughs> Eric Ten Hag press conferences how are, you, how are you finding me obviously you're dealing with him on a weekly basis uh, yeah I'm impressed as Adam says I mean in pre-season uh, we were away obviously in uh, Bangkok and, Thai and Bangkok, Thailand and, and Australia and we'd heard from the Ajax journalists you know listen he, he doesn't really give that much away and certainly the first uh, sit-down we had with him, uh, we spoke to Melissa Reddy a little bit, she'd done him with Sky, and his yeah. first answer was, so far, so good, to like a question that was like quite long and <laughs> wanted a bit of exposition. Um, actually, he was all right with us. I don't know if that was because the cameras were off or he'd warmed up. And then since that point, I do feel like he's become more comfortable in, in his position and also wanting to express what he's trying to get from his players and, and send a few little messages, you know, in what he's saying to, to other players. You know, he doesn't sort of shirk calling them out, but he doesn't do it in a way perhaps like Ralph Ranjit would do, where he could do it because he was only there as an interim basis. Yeah. He obviously has to bring them with him on this sort of journey. Um, but no, I, I've been quietly impressed with it. I mean, even after the game on Sunday uh, at Goodison Park, I sort of asked him a pretty open-ended question about Anthony. And his answer was, you know, mainly positive, but also, no, he's got stuff to improve. He, he mentioned specifically defensive work, which I think is something that has been flagged. Um, also, as, as Paul Scholes mentioned, you know, uh, the kind of, does he cut in on his left foot too much? And he said, well, no, we have worked on it at Ajax. He can cross with his right foot, but clearly that still needs more work. So it's kind of detailed stuff that I think I quite like. The he fact also that he's recognises the human side. Us. I read an interview with McTominay the other day, and I think one of the things that Van Gaal and Mourinho, <clears> they were always stick but no carrot, and it was like, yeah. come on, you've got to realise that some of these lads, you know, going through it sometimes, and you have to deal with different pressures of playing for Man United. And I, 
I think I was glad to hear that the human side of things, you know, how's your family? Easy things to do, easy wins, mm. but you keep people on side doing that. And then when you are calling them out in the press, they know that mm. actually this guy's is there for me, he's got mm. my back, so maybe what he's saying is true. The one thing I was disappointed with, you mentioned it there, he's handled the Ronaldo thing so well. And then we got like Rio and Kido coming out. I love them both, but it's like, you're putting this additional <laughs> pressure on him to play Cristiano Ronaldo when actually we're a much better team without Ronaldo at the moment. And it, it hurts me to say it, because I love Ronnie, he's the greatest player I've ever seen, but we are a better team without him leading the line. You've seen Messi play with Sorry, Tenag seems comfortable with that though, I think. I, I think he's okay with, with that external noise. You know what it is? It's like you don't expect it from people that should have the club. Like, you should be able to see that United are moving in the right direction. Why do you need to drag but this? But they've up? also got that relationship, right, with Ronaldo where they want I think to defend genuinely think, I think they genuinely think that there isn't a Manchester United <coughs> centre-forward at this moment in time who will score more goals than Ronaldo and who will do better than Ronaldo. But United will score more goals with a as a collective, you yeah, mean? Yeah, with yeah, a different yeah. centre-forward, I think. And I think Marshall's it's a shame he's injured all the time, but we've seen four halves of football from Anthony Martial. Yeah. He's got three just goals, two assists, and he's, he's bringing all these players into play. Um, yeah, i just rather see us focus on the collaborative rather than always going for the easy headlines. Because that's what United have done well of avoiding over the last couple of months, you know what I mean? And you just know as soon as a result goes wrong or a few go wrong, which it will, because we're still learning, it's going to be up and down. You just know they're going to be out. That's, that's part of the all about Ronaldo, Ronaldo, though, isn't it? So, if he's there, you're going to get that. So I think you have to. But he does that. seem like, to be it, handling he? things quite professionally yeah. himself. Like he doesn't seem to be being a distraction. Which he's changed, hasn't he, Ronaldo? I think certainly when the window was still open and he wanted to leave, I think he's you know the Champions League scoring records and, and maybe even winning it. That's that's in his mind for sure. I think he was a difficult character around Carrington, sort of perhaps cutting a bit of an isolated figure. Um, I think since the window closed, he's kind of switched his mind a bit more on to, right, well, I'm here now, I've got to, you know... He's not World Cup to prepare for. I think he'll be, it, it, I think he'll be yeah. selfish in thinking about that. He will be now. I mean, his focus for that is, will be massive. But he, he did say, didn't he, a couple of weeks before the transfer window ended, that you'll hear the truth in yeah. a couple of weeks. Yeah. We never, has that ever come to you or has, has his team ever come to you with that? Well, you've no. not gotten over that? Coming out with him? Get him on Monday Football or after game. in the studio. We don't know what happens behind the scenes, so maybe it's another situation that's been quite well handled by Eric Ten Hag. And from an outsider's perspective, uh, and I know um, the hierarchy at Man United don't ever really get much credit, but it, it seems to be a really good appointment so far, an encouraging mm. appointment of Ten Hag. They tried um, to go biggest name in football with Mourinho and Van Gaal was a, a big name within the managerial world. David Moyes, a recommendation of Sir Alex Ferguson. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, it seemed more a marriage of convenience. And then Ralph Ranjek, let's go fashionable. When I was reporting on the stories around the managerial pursuit, the fans were resoundingly in favour of Eric Ten Hag. And we shouldn't underestimate the knowledge of the, the public and, and how much research goes on these days. A lot of people had watched his Ajax team and his way of coaching. We'd heard a lot from people who had worked with him, under him, around him. He was in the Bayern system when Pep was first team manager. Um, and I just look at the decisions that have been made so far. I look at the response to adversity after the Brentford defeat where, you know, I was being told by people um, close to the, the club and the first team that if the players are going to turn on anyone this time, it's not going to be the manager. They're going to go above that and they're going to throw executives under the bus. I don't know, but not Ten Hag. Mm. And I was like, that, that was a strange thing to hear. And then when 
couple of days later, stories came out, I think it was via Laurie, that he had actually done the running session with yeah, on the, the players. He had gone into the trenches with them. He hadn't just sent them on a, on a session. And it's those little things that have built this bond early doors. And you're seeing a, a rebirth by the looks of it. Again, early days from Marcus Rashford. And yeah. you talk about the striker position. But actually, if he starts to deliver and is better for the chemistry of the whole team, then maybe United will be better as a collective. And I, I think that all comes down to Ten Hag so far. However, I would say that he will want more players in to fulfil his vision and his aim. And, and well, he's big, not done in that transfer market. No. And I think that's going to be crucial. You I mentioned mean, look what they tried to do to him in the weeks. summer. Uh, before we had those few bad results, they wanted Arnautovic and Rabiot. They're very reactive. They're we never proactive. That. And that's the problem. Yeah. They, ne they never will be proactive. He was searching for character. And if the target was the wrong one, then It's a big debate couple of weeks, want. though, isn't it? United have got mm. Newcastle, yeah, so busy these next Chelsea, I think Tottenham, is it? Yeah. The Newcastle, Chelsea, Tottenham in the next three West, seasons. West, West, those three games are huge. They're huge yeah. games, those. And I think that'll define sort of the mood going into the World Cup period for United. But there's no doubt that... And it's something I want to ask you about because certainly a month or two ago, the, 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 the ownership, the Glazer out stuff was, was huge at that time. I think the actual... We've fact, got that coming, by the way. I think the, fact that, I think the fact that Manchester United didn't play for four weeks actually was helpful. Um, didn't have that league game for three or four weeks. Do you think that... I know there is still the protest, I know there is still the anger from the fans, but it does seem to have sort of quietened down a little bit at I, this moment. But the anger's still there underneath, isn't the, it? The protests have been every single home game. Yeah. So, in, inside the ground, obviously, everyone's behind the manager. Um, there'll still be the anti-Glazer chance and long may they continue until they're gone. Um, but obviously, the fans are happier with the team, so it seems... You know, the, the press report on it less and all these yeah. kind of things. The protests still happen every single yeah, game yeah. and hats off to, to the organisers. There's a banner yeah. in the Goodison Park yeah. away end on Sunday. Oh, yeah, I, I know they're still going on. I'm not saying, but just seeing the, no no, the noise, is, the noise is less, obviously. Because fans are happier, obviously, I, I think it seems like a happier place to yeah. be, but there's, that's still there. And I think if the manager's not backed in the transfer windows and he's not given the support that he needs, then there'll be even further um, yeah. protests. And that, that's the big thing coming up, isn't it? As you've touched on, you know, the investor call, they made it very plain that they spent over budget in the summer. And I think they did react to the bad results and they thought we Just need Eric Ten Hag to work. <laughs> this is exactly, exactly that. Um, and we need to work now. So we can't sort of buy a player that can't go straight into the team. So that's why Casemiro came in, experienced. Um, Anthony was one that obviously Eric Ten Hag very yeah. much pushed yeah. for. So, but that then means that in January, I don't know. I'd be surprised if they if they spent. Like, and we need a striker anyway, really. because we can't rely those, on those bid, those bids for Casemiro and Anthony went in 24, 40 hours yeah. prior, prior to the Liverpool game, where they thought that ultimately you know, he'd been beaten four 0 against Brentford. Liverpool coming to Old Trafford that was going to be the sort of graveyard game. Yeah. But then obviously, that impressed me as well because people were talking about De Boer and stuff, and I was thinking, oh my. Yeah, I, mean, that I point, never ever felt like that, but you knew the wave of pressure oh, was coming if, yeah. if, if, if we were going to lose three on a spin. That, that's why Mario Tanag has clearly got resilience. Yeah. You know, he was obviously, you know, he must have been feeling that, but he, he sort of stuck to his principles. He did. And I do, I mean, the running thing, I think, is a great little story because it's kind of, as a manager, I feel like certainly in the initial stage of, of, of taking over a club, you, you kind of might need to do something a bit mad. But that, kind of that could have gone badly wrong as well. That, yeah. gimmick, that type of gimmick, it could have been seen as a gimmick. Yeah. If it lost against Liverpool, could yeah. have gone badly wrong, couldn't I it? It was a risk, but it huge. paid off. Mm. Varane's huge as well. Um, I try and look at it at the positive side and adding Varane in there. Obviously, who he's replaced was going through a bad time at the time, Harry Maguire's in. 
you know, hasn't got the form um, at the moment. And could argue might not be good enough, but Varane is just a, a class above mm. um, everybody. And I think <coughs> he's really improved this season. He managed him well in the summer, bringing him back. He didn't rush him into pre-season training. Um, and I think he's, he's getting the best out of him at the moment. And credit, that was a good piece of recruitment. He, it was an opportunity that Real Madrid probably weren't too dissatisfied with. But when fit, United have got themselves one of the best centre-halves in the world. But we, we shouldn't sort of paper over the cracks of certain recruitment issues. That's been a theme of what we've talked about today. Because the Anthony signing from pretty much everyone you speak to could have been done months earlier for far lower cost. And when you say that the money's not there for the signings in the upcoming window, then that sort of expenditure, Casemiro's deal, people say around up to £80 million all in and with, with everything included, for a player that Real Madrid were quite content to move on. I thought he was a class yeah, actor. So we could have saved the money and got Hakpo or whoever else he wanted. So, so it, I think one of the most fascinating <clears throat> situations going forward, John Murta, the team around him, Richard Arnold as the new chief executive, is how they manage these markets because they literally cannot keep aff affording to spend that level of money. Right, let's finish off on United like we have with the other teams. Where are they finishing? Heart, <laughs> heart or head? No, I think I think we'll finish in the top four. Top four. I, I'm I'm more confident in Ten Hag game. Like if we have a bad result, which still happen because it's going to be up mm. and down. I've, I'm confident in the ability to recover and not let it yeah. knock us or affect us. So I think we'll get results, but. If there's an injury, continuous injury signs in Martial and what happens with Ronaldo after the World Cup, that could cause, because we haven't got an out-and-out striker. I think Rashford's, all his goals may have come from the left or when he's played with Ronaldo or Marshall. Um, so I think we'll need a striker. Yeah. I wouldn't mind Ivan Tony, you know. Mm. Bring him in, man. <laughs> Good shout. Get him on your United? No, um, I don't want an explanation on United from a City six. fan to be... <laughs> fifth or sixth? Yes. All right. Do you want an explanation why? Or... <laughs> yeah, <works> like <laughs> no, the other teams are better. That's the simple answer. <laughs> it does come down to that, doesn't it? it who, who drops out there? Yeah, City, I think Ar Chelsea better. Arsenal are all sort of thinking they Arsenal. might maintain it. Maybe Arsenal then. Tottenham, Conte, I know they're not yeah. playing that great. It's <coughs> played, you know, Chelsea, Chelsea, Liverpool, and, and Liverpool. United. So Arsenal who's in your top four then? Because you said City, Arsenal. I think, I think Chelsea possibly. I'm a big fan of Potter. Yeah. I, think, I think he'll need a while to get, to get settled there. And I, don't, I think Liverpool possibly miss out. And again, I'm being super optimistic. Me, so United and Spurs. You're saying City, are the Arsenal, United. United top. Spurs, Arsenal. Right, Laurie. I, I think they might just miss out because the squad depth, if you, if you peel away mm. some of the crucial. If Christian Eriksen gets injured, yeah. for example, I think that really changes. He's played basically every, every game. game. Yeah. What, yeah. Um, I think that changes the dynamic of what the team would, can would do. Would that be an underperformance or would that be expected with the money that's been spent? I wouldn't mind fifth. Uh, you think fifth's acceptable? Should, if we show room for improvement yeah. and you never know, you could go and win the Europa yeah. League or something. But okay. I, I, I wouldn't panic if we didn't get top four because this guy, I think we finally got the guy, we just need to give him time. Yeah. Like, look what we were talking about, about Arteta. There's good managers everywhere, isn't there? That's the thing, yeah. like, they really are. And by the way, you notice Ten Hag, Arteta, Pep's boys, you know, proteges. Oh, I, I knew someone was going to say something like that. It's true, it's still true. Steve I mean, you might want Arteta back actually. when Pep's gone. Pippa, yeah. Paul, United. <laughs> Not that you care that much. <laughs> no, oh, do you care? I care massively. <laughs> the Manchester United <laughs> four flat on the face. Um, fifth, uh, uh, but that, that's 
predicated entirely around Liverpool getting back to a sort of similar level. Yeah. Honestly, I think it's a bit of a crapshoot between Spurs, whether Potter can stabilise Chelsea consistently enough, and then and then Manchester United. Originally, it should be went, a close shot. For the originally, top I thought it would be fourth would be between Chelsea, Arsenal, and United, and now it's I'm going more towards it's between Chelsea, United, and Liverpool for that fourth spot. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I, I think it feels like that. Yeah, Pippa. I can't quite call it from what I've seen so far this season. There's so much room for improvement. I know they can improve. I want to say fifth, but I get that to Liverpool. So I think maybe the same position as last sixth, year. Then? Yeah. Sixth. Funny that because we've beat you this season. Oh, wow. Oh, <laughs> one. <laughs> David, to finish your point, United. I think the money is all relative these days, and Liverpool spent up to 100 million on Darwin Nunes, and we're not sort of asking that question of where should they finish based on that. And therefore, I think it's going to be an improved season for United, a step in the right direction. I think they may just be in that mix with Liverpool slightly outside the top four, fifth, sixth. Um, and so, yeah, the, mm. the current trajectory, and I'll be proved completely wrong, is maybe United just missing out on the top four, but having a, a better season that keeps them on this mm. uh, positive path. Well, the end of an overlap fan debate extra where United doesn't look like they're finishing in the top four, according <laughs> to our panel, which is, means it's another tough season. But I hope you enjoyed it. Please subscribe and join us again. And thank you very much to our guests. Hi, everyone. It's Gary Neville here. We've got some unbelievably exciting news on the overlap. After our live show in Manchester last year, we decided to take the overlap on tour. On stage with me will be Roy Keane, Jamie Carragher, Josh Denzel and Kelly Cates. Tickets are available now. Make sure you come down and watch us, but remember, only if you like. Let's get it on. <laughs>